1: That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and
1: participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast, our first uh, college podcast of the 2016 season. I'm Teddy Cahill. Here with me, Mike LaNana and Jim Shonard, and we're here to talk about the the top twenty-five. The preseason top twenty-five is released today, and so you know it's an exciting time. College baseball is is uh, just a few weeks away. The top twenty-five is the the first thing you know we we do here at Baseball America to to get started with the college season. So you know the the preview is is rolling out starting today. The we'll have capsules on all of the top twenty-five teams, five per day uh, for the rest of this week. The next week, you'll see the All-America teams and our conference previews will start up. So it, there's a lot going on, a lot of college content over at BaseballAmerica.com. And are you guys uh, are you guys ready for the season
0: to get going? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready well, to go. I just hope well, it's a little warmer
1: than it was last year. Can't be any worse than last year. Yeah, That's I was talking to him when I was talking to. Him. Coach O'Connor from Virginia, who got their first month of home games wiped out last year and and joked, you know, it can't be any worse than last year, but, you know, knock on wood. So, hopefully they they have some better luck. Hopefully we all have better luck.
2: I mean, it was such a mild winter at the start, and now all of a sudden we're getting all these winter storms, and I know a lot of the coaches early on were, were saying that, you know, why couldn't this weather be what they would have in February? So, you know, hopefully this is just getting it out of the way and... Get some warmer weather here for February 19 on opening day. You know, obviously we're, we're all excited about that and, and the, these coaches are, are ready to get going and, and, and so are the players. You know, so the, the top 25 this year is, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting one. There are, there are a lot of really good teams here and, and a lot of really good good programs that, that have been good and, and are looking to get back to Omaha, uh, you know, number one this year is Florida. It's the third time the Gators have been uh, preseason number one. Uh, they were they were number one in 2011 and, and 2012. And then number two is Louisville. And, it, it, you know, it just seemed like the, the, those were the top two teams for us, uh, that, that they had separated. the Those two teams had separated based on talent and, you know, what they did last year. Uh, Florida getting to the College World Series and and Louisville having a lot of success in the ACC, their first year in the conference, but you know, ultimately falling in super regionals. You know, so when, you, when we look at these teams, it, it, it's, there's just so much returning talent. The, the Gators have their entire weekend rotation back. Louisville returns most of its pitching staff and, and a lot of offense. And the Gators have a lot of offense. And you know, it, it just really does look like these two teams are, are the, the best two in, in, in the college game right now.
0: Yeah I think they're both a, a clear class above everyone else you know when we when we started with the top 25 we knew from the get-go okay Florida number one Louisville number two and with the rest there's a little more you know arguing and bickering and all of that but you know you look at these two teams and it's just amazing the the depth that they have you know and a lot of that with Florida I mean they were they had a lot of young talent last year that's a little bit older now and you know obviously they returned the entire weekend rotation which is going to be scary I mean you know, everyone talks about A. J. Puck, but Logan Shore is he's he's a monster. So and then you look at Louisville and getting Kyle Funkhauser back, which, you know, obviously we've that's something we've discussed a lot in the past, but you know, it's not something they were necessarily expecting before the draft and before that one month kind of plummeted his draft draft stock. So, you know, they're two two scary teams, like you said. It's gonna be fun to see which one ends up. I think they're both Omaha teams yeah I mean
1: but like you like you're saying I mean, virgin- i mean louisville is just uh i mean that's just a loaded team, and certainly Florida is too and it feels like last year we kind of had i remember last year we had Vanderbilt and lSU kind of as a clear cut top two and it sort of reminded me of that a little bit where you had two teams at the top and then you have this little you know you kind of you could argue a little bit after that and but yeah i mean th- with those two teams i mean it'd be it would be a surprise if they are not up there all year.
2: Yeah, when we look at Florida, you know, it, it, I think it starts with the pitching. You know, Mike mentioned uh, Shore and Puck, and, uh, you know, Alex Fajedo's back, too, and, and, and he was very successful on Sundays as a freshman. Uh, but with Shore on Friday night, you know, it's just a very consistent performer, and he's done it almost, you know, his entire career. He, he was the Friday starter during his freshman season, which is exceedingly rare in the SEC. Uh, and then Puck, you know, is a little better uh, pro prospect, and he was absolutely dominant in the second half of the last season. You know, once he came back from his, his suspension, uh, you know, the, the whole way through, it was, he, he, was, he was very instrumental to that team getting to Omaha and winning the SEC tournament. Uh, but, you know, it, it is uh, – their, their offense is very talented as well. Buddy Reed is, is electric there in center field. And JJ Schwartz behind the plate at 18 home runs as a freshman, and Mike Rivera also you know behind the plate, uh, very good for for Florida as a freshman, and, and Peter Alonso if he can stay healthy that that gives them more power you know over at first base, and they had the number two recruiting class in the country, just adding you know more talent to a team that, that really didn't need it. <laughs> um, I mean you can't have too much talent, but they uh, you know the 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 talent level in Gainesville right now is is really impressive but you can't overlook what Louisville has because you know like Mike mentioned you got Funkhauser back you have the freshman of the year Brendan McKay who's you know an outstanding two-way player Corey Ray in the outfield is uh you know every bit as good as as Buddy Reed and, and maybe a little bit better even and you know it, just up and down both of those lineups are are plenty of players that that impact the game in, in a lot of different ways. And I don't know right now uh, what would happen if if they played on a, you know, if they had a, a series. But but I know that would be very exciting. And if we do get that in Omaha, you know, even just a matchup, I, I think that would be great for for fans. You know, the, the way it's shaping up right now, what what we think these two teams can be.
0: Definitely, definitely. And you know, you look at Louisville, and you know, every, everyone talks about Ray, but they do have a lot of balance in that lineup too. They have they bring back Solak and. You know Brennan McKay really came into his own as the, as the cleanup hitter late last year and had a nice you know underrated year with the bat. You know obviously he's a pitching prospect first, but you know he's certainly someone who could hit well in the middle of the order. And I know they're excited about what Devin Harrison is doing at shortstop, taking over for for Sutton Whiting There um, had a had an up and down year as a freshman last year. So and then you can't ignore the bullpen. You know Nick Birdie there in the back end. You know throwing 98, 99 with a, a nasty slider. I mean. You know, one of the best, one of the best relievers in college baseball, you could argue. So, yeah, they're certainly both. Both teams, you certainly wouldn't want to face them on a weekend. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, one thing about you know both of these teams too is that um, you know, they we, we saw a lot of some of these guys uh, during the summer with, with Team USA, and you know they were by and large were the stars of Team USA too. I mean, it, it's it, it's the guys that are are you're going to see get. Get picked pretty high in the draft, Jim. Or what? What, what did you think of um, the Gators over the last few years? You know, they've they've had teams like this before. You know, they had they've had preseason number ones. They've had weighty expectations. You know, do, do you think that the the program is uh, you know kind of used to this by now?
1: Well, certainly the coaching staff should be. I mean, the players. I mean, last year, I mean, they were so young last. They were. I mean, they were they were very young last year relative relative to the, relatively speaking. I mean, when they got to Omaha with the um, you know, they had the you know Mike Zanino and that core. They got to Omaha three Omaha three years in a row, and by then they were pretty used to it. But obviously, they've kind of had to re you know restock the cupboard up. I mean, that never really stops. I mean, that way the way they recruit, but yeah, I mean, the way they last year in Omaha they kind of ran into some more experienced teams teams that had been there before. Whereas they were. The players, anyway, they were the newcomers compared to, you know, with TCU and Vandy and uh, Virginia. So this year, I mean, with all these guys coming back, with as, load as, as talented as they are with Puck and, you know, Fado and all those guys, and, you know, Shore, obviously, I mean, that's they, – they're – I mean, they'll be favored every weekend. They should win. I mean, it's hard to imagine them losing. As long as they stay healthy, it's hard to imagine them losing many series. I mean, it's going to be – they, they. I mean, there is. They're just. They're both. They're them in Louisville. They're both loaded. And like I said, now Florida has the experience on its side. So when they, you know, provided if they get to Omaha, they won't. You know, nothing will be. No, there won't be any surprises for them. And uh, yeah, I mean, there. You know, there's no reason to think they won't be there at the end.
2: I think one interesting thing about both of these teams is they they kind of had disappointing ends to the season. Florida was was rolling. You know, once the postseason came around last year, they they won the SEC tournament and they just they swept both regionals and super regionals. Um, but then in they Obama, ran into
1: run. They ran into Brandon Waddell. right in Omaha. <laughs> the guy they, who's been there.
2: They run smack into Virginia, and you know, but they were dominating teams in Omaha that weren't Virginia. They yeah, uh, they, they lost one to nothing to Virginia and five to four. In every other game, they were scoring double digit runs.
1: Exactly. I mean, they. Yeah, they torched Miami. I mean, they torched Andrew Suarez, a great pitcher himself. And but like, kind of, I mean, obviously we'll talk a little bit more about Virginia later. But uh, yeah, I mean, they just they ran into a team that knew how to win there. Not that Florida doesn't, but because obviously said they did win a couple games. But they, they ran into kind of a team that wasn't going to be cowed by the by you know by the bats and all the talent Florida was throwing at them.
2: And Louisville, obviously, uh, you know, hosting a Super Regional, hosting Fullerton, comes all the way across the country, and, and then the way that that game, you know, that series ended, Mike, you were there for that, you know, I mean, that that has to stick with Louisville a little bit, right?
0: Yeah, no, it's it's certainly still in their minds, and I, I just had a conversation with Kyle Funkhauser a couple of days ago, and, you know, he was talking about the emotions from that night, and you know for those who, who didn't see how it ended it ended on a in extra innings on a ball that may or may not have been fair it would, it would just scrape the foul pole um it was it was tough to see even for replays and that's obviously you know a tough way to lose um you know it was a there's a hard-fought series for both teams and you know tip your cap to Cal State Fullerton they're a, a gritty gutty team and you know, that's what they did, and, you know, they, they overachieved in some ways last year. Of course, having Thomas Eshelman helped, but no, I mean, I know Louisville has, has a chip on their shoulders coming into this year. You know, they had made it their goal um, in 2012 to go to Omaha three years in a row, and they were, you know, a ball just being fair, you know, inside the foul ball away from, from doing that, so certainly they're all, they're all thinking about Omaha coming into this year and getting back there.
2: Well, I know we're going to talk a lot about Florida and Louisville all year long, so let's move on and uh, let's, let's talk about some of these other teams. The, the top five following those two schools, uh, you got Texas A&M, Virginia, the defending national champions, and uh, Oregon State, uh, who we think is uh, the team to beat out West right now. Uh, and then Miami, Vanderbilt, and Cal rounding out your your top eight. So I guess right now um, that that's kind of who who we're thinking maybe is uh, the the Omaha contenders uh, or the favorites for Omaha right now. The, the interesting thing about uh, the defending national champions is that they return an awful lot, don't mm-hmm. they, Jim?
1: Exactly. Yeah, they have seven uh, regulars back in the from the in the um, in their. Oh they're in their lineup, <laughs> if I can spit that out. Um, yeah, I mean, they lose their third baseman, Kenny Towns and they lose Joe McCarthy. Um, obviously I had to play a lot play with uh, play without him for quite a bit last year if I can learn how to talk. Um, but yeah, I mean they have seven guys back, seven guys that played a lot for that championship team. Um, you've got a nice core of sophomores that you know Paven Smith, uh, Daniel Daniel Pinero is a junior, Adam Hazley, another sophomore, Ernie Clement who kind of emerged last year kind of that core there with Smith, Pinero, um, Matt Theis. You know, that's a nice core to build your offense around. Um, all, all those guys have Omaha experience. Um, you know, spoke with Brian O'Connor a few days ago, as I mentioned, and, um, you know, they're very excited about Adam Hazley. Is a guy who's going to take a, take on a bigger role this year offensively. He's their, uh, you know, he's, he'll be their everyday center fielder as he was last year and they'll hope to get more out of him on the mound. So he's kind of a guy to keep in mind that, and he got a, you know, I mean, he started the, um, you know, the second game of the championship series last year against Vandy when they were down one zero, season on season on the line, and he was, I mean, he threw, I mean, I'm gonna say like, he was, you know, like he had the great game of his life, but he pitched really well, for five innings, I think, five six innings, and, you know, obviously that's a big experience for him, so he's gonna take on a bigger role. They have a lot of experience back. I mean, you kind of compare it to their, um, their team from four, 2014 when they had when they brought back. You know, Down Brandon Downs, um, Mike Pappy, and that group, Brandon Cogswell, some of those guys. When we rank, uh, we rank that team preseason number one. And th- you know, Connor, he, he, this team is con- position player wise. This team is in the same level as far as what they bring back, the talent, the experience. I mean, it's they're they're going to be really good offensively. Now, the reason why they're fourth and not maybe first or second is the pitching. <laughs> they get Connor Jones back. And that's big, but they lose an awful lot. I mean, they lose Brandon Waddell, who we talked about, who was so great in Omaha. Lose Josh Spores, who was the MOP of the CWS last year. Lose Nathan Kirby, who was a hero of the final game of the championship series. So that's Those are three really big losses uh, from your pitching staff. So that's, kinda, that's really the question for them, is the offense is probably going to have to carry a lot of the load, at least in the first half of the season, until they get things kind of sorted out. Um, and like I said with Hazley, he's, kind of, he's the guy that you know look to to take on a bigger role on the mound. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to be – I mean, it's Virginia. Virginia's always been able to pitch. They'll figure it out. They'll be there at the end.
2: Yeah, the, the park there obviously is a, a big help for, mm-hmm. for young pitchers uh, trying to figure it out, you know, it being a, a bit of a, a pitcher's park. A bit of a pitcher's park is probably an understatement. And, uh, you know, the, the team just has so much coming back up the middle
1: – uh, exactly. Yeah, that was like one of the first things O'Connor pointed out is they got both catchers back, Komen and Matt Theis. they Have their middle infield back, Clement and Panero, and they have their center fielder back, Hazley. And that's that's where you, like you said, that's where you start from. That's what you want. So that's that's where you kind of build from there and, and you know build out. And
2: you know Nathan Kirby, you know went into last year as as potentially you know Player of the Year type type guy, uh, but he he didn't have that much success uh before he got injured or didn't have that type of success mm-hmm. before he got injured and then he did get injured and they were they were able to ride that out exactly and, and, they had to ride and, out a lot last yeah year. yeah i mean they they overcame so much last year that if they have you know any kind of luck this year on health uh you know that they, they should be they should be be well set up and and they brought in another strong recruiting class as they always do at virginia brian o'connor and uh, McMullen do a great job with that, and you know, so I I think there's a lot, there's an awful lot to like. There, Connor Jones on Friday nights is, you know, going to be, you know, one of the better pitchers in the ACC, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna be really good. Uh, you know, the the losses are not insignificant, but I think there's a lot there to to make up for that.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I would definitely agree. With all that, and I, I do really like Connor Jones. I, I think he's a name that you're going to hear a lot more, you know, as the draft creeps closer. I mean, he's got electric stuff when he's on. Sometimes the command would get away from him last year. You know, there'd always be one inning where you could kind of get to him. He needs to try to minimize that a bit this year, but certainly the the, the stuff is there, and and you know, he he has everything in him to be a, a dominant Friday guy. And I do think you know, you look up the middle. I think you know, Panero is a guy that might be overlooked a little bit too i think he brings a lot to the table and could be a really productive player for that team
2: then i also mentioned uh vanderbilt number seven uh you know that's that's the team that that virginia beat in the finals and the team that beat virginia in 2014 in the finals so you know those two teams have been back-to-back finalists and uh vanderbilt is losing an awful lot from those teams though um you know, Dansby Swanson, obviously, the number one overall pick in last year's draft is gone. The entire weekend rotation is gone for the Commodores. Uh, Xander Wheel, their, their first baseman, is also gone. But this is Vanderbilt, and there, there are no rebuilding years uh, at Vanderbilt these days. Uh, Tim Corbin brings in talent, like uh, incredible talent all the time. They had the number one recruiting class this fall, uh, and, and they're... They have brought in a uh, top 25 recruiting class 11 straight years, which is a record. Uh, so there, there's talent on this team, uh, no doubt. They just now have to uh, step into some, some bigger roles. And a lot of that will will be on players, especially on the pitching side, players that have been there before, guys like Jordan Sheffield and Kyle Wright and John Kilachowski, Ben Bowden, um, just to name a few. And... and it's really just a matter of them being able to step up and, and, and take on bigger roles but I mean obviously you guys have seen this program you you saw what they could do out in Omaha and the culture that they have at Vanderbilt under Tim Corbin is is really exceptional I it just seems like they expect to win at all times without having you know massive expectations you know Tim Corbin works really hard to to make sure his guys don't Feel that but it, it is there
1: exactly I mean that it's think it's kind of one of the hallmarks of that program so I, I mean obviously they produce a lot of talent they produce high drafts every year but I mean they just their their teams just they have such such a confidence they're not like a you know puff their chest out program but they they always have this just this confidence that they're gonna find a way to win and no you know what whether that's about scoring you about Usually, usually they can outpitch you if they have, you know, when it comes down to it. But they always find a way, and like I said, they the t- the talent just just never the you know the flow just never stops coming through there. And they do have guys. I mean, you do have like guys like Will Toffee, Roe Ro Com- Coleman, uh, Brian Reynolds, Jaron. K- all these guys that contributed last year, they'll, they'll back, they'll carry on that culture. Obviously, they do have to t- step into bigger roles, but still, I mean, there's enough. You know, and obviously, with that coaching staff, I mean, there's enough carryover. I don't think there's there's going to be much of a much of a drop.
0: I mean, it's, that program is a well-oiled machine. I mean, Teddy, you and I, I mean, we toured the facilities when we were in Nashville for the ABCA convention. And, I mean, there are no players there, but you could just see with the way, you know, binders are perfectly arranged on a desk and, you know, just how meticulous and, and uh, you know, just how exact everything is. And just, you know, it's just a very professional I think it might be the best word to describe them as just a professional program and a professional atmosphere there. And, and you can certainly see, like Jim was talking about, the confidence that these players have, that you know, the little swagger that they have to them, but it isn't over the top for sure. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some, some uh, period of adjustment this year for them, you know, just because there is so much turnover. But obviously you have to like the talent on the team and have to think that by the end of the year they're going to be where we're used to seeing them.
2: Yeah, I think this is a team, a Vanderbilt team, and this happens every few years, it seems like, with Vanderbilt, that uh, it, it's not so much about where they are right now, it's about where they're going to be in June. And with that coaching staff and that talent, I, you know, we have a lot of faith that they'll get to that level. You know, you might see them take some lumps early on. They're going to play some young players. They're, they're missing you know, Dansby Swanson, one of the things about him beyond his incredible on-field talents is the leadership and the, you know, the, the makeup and everything that, that he brings to a team and Carson Fulmer, the, you know, who is the Friday night starter uh, is really the same way for the pitching staff. But, you know, and, and so losing those two guys is more than just losing, you know, two top 10 picks. It, it's about losing the the leadership that, that they also provide. But, you know the guys are going to step up and um you know when i when i spoke with tim corbin uh last week you know he he's not going to be the one telling guys that they have to step up it's kind of just an understood thing it seems like and you know but but he he talked about how you know guys they they have plenty of other pressure that he doesn't want to add to their pressure he wants to keep he wants them to just to be the best players they can be and you know so vanderbilt is always trying to balance the, the expectations of, of winning and of producing high draft picks and, and of juniors, you know, trying to, to get to those levels, uh, you know, with the, just the, the development and, and the, the, I guess the nurturing nature of, of that program. I, I, we have a lot of faith in Vanderbilt right now, I guess, but it, it is going to be more of a, what, what they're, I guess, ranking them as high as we do it's more about where we think they will be more than you know what they might do in the first few weekends as they try and figure out what their pitching roles are um you know they they have you know not not only do they have to replace three starting pitchers but if they move say Kyle Wright from the bullpen to the rotation then now you have to find a new closer so there's a lot of moving parts there but you know, that staff, you know, Scott Brown uh, handles the pitching there, and, you know, Travis Jewett and, and, and Tim Corbin, you know, they're, they're going to figure it out. It's just a matter of when, I think. Uh, you know, so who else in this group do, do you guys like here? You know, we got Texas A&M, also in the SEC, Oregon State out west, Cal, you know, also in the Pac-12, trying to get back to Omaha for the first time since uh, 2011. And we got Miami who made it back last year for the first time in a few years. Yeah, who who uh, jumps out from that group for you guys?
0: Well, as somewhat of the uh, California correspondent <laughs> on this staff, I'll, I'll talk about the uh, Pac-12 teams in this group. You know, I, I do like Oregon State and Cal a lot. I think the Pac-12 as a whole, especially at the top, is going to be really strong this year, as you can tell by looking at our rankings. You know, Oregon State last year was, was a very, very young team. It's uh, a team that wasn't in our preseason top twenty-five, and you know people kept badgering us about it, you know as the year went on, and eventually you know they worked their way in, and uh, you know they went through some growing pains last year, but really came together near the end. Um, had a tough regional, but they return basically that entire team. I mean, they they do lose some significant pieces, in Andrew Moore, which obviously that's very significant, and Jeffrey Hendricks as well in center field. But I think there's there's more than enough talent there to, to compensate for that, and they bring in obviously a strong recruiting class too you know they're going to have some roles that they need to figure out they have they have three talented infielders and Trevor Morrison and Madrigal and, and and Green Greenier that they're going to try to you know figure out who's going to play shortstop who's going to play second who's going to play third and I don't know that they have that or at least publicly have that totally figured out yet but they're all talented there and obviously KJ Harrison you know their their first baseman last year had just a a tremendous freshman year you know lots to like with him a lot of power so they're gonna hit they're gonna be an offensive ball club and I think there's enough pitching there with Drew Rasmussen last year um, who as, as great as KJ Harrison did on the offensive side Rasmussen you know was similar pitching wise as a freshman and you know he's gonna lead that rotation and you know they're optimistic that he's not really gonna miss a beat from what Andrew Moore did last year so they're, they're a dangerous team and a, and a team that, you know, you talk to the other coaches in the Pac-12, they all, you know, see how talented they are. The, they could certainly be the team to beat, but Cal was right there with them, too, bringing back Dalton Jeffries. And basically, you know, most of that team, most of last year's team, um, they're going to miss Urseg uh, and, and Chris Paul in that lineup, but there's still a veteran presence there and a lot of guys returning. And, you know, they're a team that's, that's very motivated, you know, because... You know, a few years ago, that program was, was on its way out, and now they're back and you know, made it to the regional last year and gave Texas A&M, and obviously, another very strong team, a run for their money. It was probably the best regional, the best TV. You know, I, I watched all of them, basically, and that was, that was the one that uh, really caught my eye. So you know, they, there's, there's a lot to like with them, and you know, I think you could really argue for which team is, is the better team in the Pac-12. Obviously, we have Oregon State a little bit ahead, but they're both very, very strong.
2: The, the thing about those two teams, Oregon State and Cal, and, and I'm not saying this is why uh, we think that they're the best two teams in the Pac-12, but I do love that this is the 10th anniversary of the O-State Ballers and this is the 5th anniversary of the Cal Baseball Reinstatement Wrap. So, yeah, that's that's a thing that, that I like. The teams on the field are obviously very talented as well. And the, the interesting thing about that, that College Station Regional is um, – you know, we got a and and Cal now, both, both here in, in our top eight uh, going into this season, and that was one of the most closely contested regionals. AM the whole postseason, uh, was nothing but close games. Yeah. They, they go on to the TCU to play TCU in Super Regionals, and, and, and in all, a uh, and played eight games in, in the NCAA tournament. They played 88 innings, and uh, fought, four of those eight games went into extra innings, and five of the games... Uh, A&M was playing winner go home baseball, so that's a that's a battle tested A&M team that started off last season twenty four and zero, you know before running into some some more trouble in the, the SEC. So if they uh, they're they're a very veteran, very experienced group, and uh, you know we expect them to to bounce back. And, and, and Rob Childress has a team that, that definitely can compete in the SEC now after going through that a few years. Uh, so Jimmer that that leaves uh Miami to you. You know, what what do we got on the Hurricanes uh, as they as they try and get back to Omaha again?
1: Well certainly they got they've got plenty of experience coming back. I mean they do lose Andrew Suarez as we talked about, but you got you know, just a stacked lineup. I mean guys like William Bray Zach Collins. I mean, there's a lot to lot to like in that lineup. They're just a it's just gonna be a physical offensive team that I mean, and Jacob Hayward kinda of had a you know, he was a breakout guy. He was kind of a hero in Omaha last year and you know, Carl Chester is a good athlete out in center field. I mean, there's a lot they can do. There's a lot of different ways they can score runs. I mean, we, I mean, they pretty much, um, you know, other than, you know, they, Florida kind of, that's kind of the one hump they have to get over is Florida, just historically over like the last, since basically since O'Sullivan's been there. But other than that, I mean, they were just a machine offensively last year. Now they do lose, uh, you know, George Eskandarian and, um, you know, David Thompson, who was the, uh, Thompson hit a lot of home runs. He's not there anymore, but. Anyway, they've still got a lot of guys back that can hit, that can do some damage. They'll put up a lot of runs. Also, like we said, they do have to replace Suarez, but Thomas Woodry's a, you know, just a great college pitcher. You know, lefty to have at the top of your rotation. He was huge for them last year. Um, they've got some, you know, talent. They kind of are relying some on some freshmen in the rest of that rotation, but you know, they still have got talented guys. And like I said, with that offense, you've got some margin for error. And um, Brian Garcia is an experienced guy. Cooper Hammond's a guy experienced at the back of the bullpen. So if, when they're in close games, they should be all right. I mean, yeah, I mean, them and, between them and Louisville and Virginia, I mean, the top of the ACC is very going to be very strong.
2: The, uh, you mentioned Miami having to get over Florida, and one of the big, big early season series is uh, Florida goes to Miami in the second weekend of the, of the season. And that is just going to be a fun, fun series, uh, you know, to see how it unfolds, to see those two programs going at it. And, you know, hopefully they don't get matched up in super regionals. You know, if the way we have it now, they, you know, I guess we would both ha- we would have them both as national seeds. and yeah, so Therefore, they, they would be. avoid that. But, you know, hopefully. It has uh, been uh,
1: the NCAA's want to yeah. put them together time and again.
2: And, uh, you know, I know coaches hate the way, uh, you know, they, they would love to see, you know the NCAA committee uh, seed one to sixteen to avoid that. It's kind of crazy
1: they don't. Oh, it is. It's, it's it is. Just, I remember asking. Um, that came up in the conference call with Dave Hickey last year. Then you know after they announced the field, and this is, he's like, yeah, we've we brought it up, but there's no real motivation to do it. It's like, come on.
0: I guess my, my well, they do it in softball. Yeah, they so do.
1: They can't say it's like to save money because I mean they do it. My
2: my dream, I guess, would be to seed one to sixteen and to put super regionals at neutral sites, but that's just a dream. So hopefully, uh, anyway, hopefully uh, yeah, we can good, avoid kind of like Miami. A rant on that one. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully we can avoid Miami and Florida in the postseason until until Omaha,
0: which we were able to do. This we most did
1: last year, yeah. so. We were, and uh, we got uh, Florida and Florida State, and then. Uh, a very non-competitive, surprisingly non-competitive Super Well, I
2: mean, if, they, if it had been Miami and Florida, that would have been non-competitive I also would have been. They were in the same pool in Omaha. They played twice, and that was Florida the, won by a combined, like, 15 runs Yeah, in
1: the two not games. go well for the Canes.
2: Uh, so Florida, uh, going back to... They'd probably rather
1: just be on the other side of the bracket this year.
2: Yeah, going back to uh, where we were at the start of this, uh, Florida, very good, and uh, best team in the state, and I guess in the country as well. Rounding out the top ten, you know, we got Oklahoma State, we got UCLA. Uh, moving on, LSU, Houston, Louisiana Lafayette, Oregon, and Michigan, and then Southern Cal checking in at 16. So I guess uh, that next group is kind of the what, what we think is uh, super regional teams, um, yeah, potential
1: hosts and all that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, you know, could see uh, could see some fun some fun regionals uh, there at the, those home parks. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want to uh, break down all 25 teams. Uh, we'd be here a long time. You know, but some of these teams definitely are, are worth talking about. And, you know, when, when you look at a team like LSU, I, I think that's just one of the most fascinating teams uh, this season and one of the hardest that, to figure out how to rank them right now. They return almost their entire pitching staff Uh, But they lost eight of nine starters in in their lineup, and included in that is Alex Bregman, the the number two overall pick, and frankly, maybe the most important player on any one team in in college baseball. I mean, Andrew Benintendi at Arkansas certainly would be in contention for that, but Alex Bregman just was the the heart and soul of that LSU team last year, and he's gone. And, uh, you know, so they lost four seniors, and they lost four underclassmen to the draft, but... They bring back Alex Lane, who had a case to be uh, freshman of the year. He went twelve and zero with a sub two ERA in the SEC. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Jared Pochet there, uh, who was the Friday starter last year, won nine games. He's won eighteen games in his first two years at LSU. So yeah, they got one of the best one two punches in the country. But it's just a matter of can the young players on the offensive side, you know, contribute quickly? And it's not going to be a bunch of freshmen. They had the number one recruiting class in the country two years ago. Those guys are sophomores now. It's going to kind of be incumbent on them more, even more than the freshmen uh, that they brought in this year, who are also very good. You know, but what, what do you guys make of LSU? You know, they obviously ended the season in Omaha last year, and, and now they have a little bit of a, a retooling project there for Paul Maneri.
1: Yeah, I can't remember the last time a, a team only brought one back, only brought back one. Regular position player. I'll say they do have other guys that played, but Jake Fraley being the only true starter coming back in the lineup. I mean, that's. I mean, I mean like we said, I mean, they're up here because they do have talent. They have a ton of pitching. Um, I mean, and, and just kind of look at some of these guys. I mean, I know they like uh, Mike Papirski a lot, the catcher, who's a, you know was kind of their backup last year. Um, so he'll, he'll be a big part of it. And they've got, you know, Kramer Robertson's a guy that played, you know, an athletic dude at second base. So, I mean, they've got. You know the tools that are there. Like it's, it's kind of obviously they have some questions to answer just as far as how how this kind of all comes together offensively. But I mean, yeah, you look at that pitching staff. I mean, that's that's enough to carry you through some weekends where you're probably not going to score a lot of runs in the SEC. You can but you can win some three to two, two to one type games with those guys.
0: Yeah, I would certainly put their pitching staff up there with anyone else in the SEC. I mean, it's it's a very very strong staff and. You know, Alex Lang is. I mean, you deread read those numbers. They're just kind of insane to go twelve and 0, 1.97 in the SEC. I mean, as a freshman, you know, let alone anyone doing that, is is incredible. So, you know, I I expect maybe not a twelve and zero year, but <laughs> another strong year out of him. I mean, he's got the stuff and the poise, obviously. So, I think it's kind of a similar situation in some ways to what Vanderbilt is going through this year. Obviously. You know, there's there's more turnover here with LSU, you know, looking at their starting lineup. But, you know, there is going to be an adjustment period, I'm sure, there. But, you know, just like with Vanderbilt, you know, with this coaching staff and just the amount of sheer talent that they have, you know, it's not going to be a surprise at all to look up and see them, you know, maybe in a Super Regional or, you know, possibly even in Omaha if they put all the pieces together in the right way.
2: One thing about Alex Lane and trying to repeat that season, you know, I, when, when I spoke with, with Coach Maneri, you know, he – he mentioned, you know, just how difficult it's going to be to to improve on that. It's almost impossible, right? 12-0, 1.97. But, you know, he thinks Alex Lane has gotten better. You know, he he thinks that working with uh, Alan Dunn, LSU's great pitching coach, uh, you know, and being a year older, a year more experienced, that that Alex Lane is a better pitcher now than he was last year. And that's kind of crazy to imagine, but, you know, there's no reason why it could be true. Um, You know, had time to, to improve and, and, and to work on some things, and they don't know which one of them is gonna gonna go out there on Friday nights yet. But I don't think there's a wrong choice between Pochet and, and and Lane. You've got the experience uh, with both of them, and, and both of them are are great draft prospects. Uh, Lane obviously not until next year, but, but Pochet has uh, really come on. Scouts liked him in the fall, maybe a little more than they had. You know, finding a little more velocity, and uh, you know he's going to be a pretty good draft pick himself this year. Uh, you know, and, and Mike, I, I know you. Uh, you're pretty excited about what UCLA has been able to to put together. They've got a bit of a retool themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lose James Caprillion, lose uh, Kevin Kramer, their shortstop, and and David Berg, obviously their their closer is now gone uh, as well. But you know, they they brought in another highly ranked recruiting class. That's what John Savage does out there. He just finds all the really good <laughs> Southern California kids and gets them to UCLA, and and so. They're, uh, they're a little bit like, like Virginia and Vanderbilt here that, you know, yeah, they lost some, but what they have coming in is, is definitely going to make up for that.
0: Right, right. I mean, in a lot of ways, they did kind of lose the core of the team, you know, losing Kramer, losing Caprillion, you know, Watson, guys like that. But, you know, they do bring back a lot, too. I mean, you know, there's a veteran presence there, with especially in the outfield with Christoph Bono and Brett Stevens and Court Peterson, and then bringing back Eric Filia. As well, he's missed the past two years. You know, one with injury, one because of academic suspension. You know, bringing him back after a a big summer in the Northwoods League, he's swinging the bat really, really well. I mean, he could help make up for for the loss. You know, in offense that they get from losing some of those guys. You know, there's a lot of talent there. I think they're expecting more out of Sean Bouchard, who had a kind of a a rough freshman year. They're moving him to first base, flip-flopping him with Persico, who's moving to third. Who you know they're they're kind of excited about as well as a guy who could certainly help his prospects that is playing at third base so i think they're they're going to lose a, a little you know, offensive firepower. Last year, they were more of an offensive club than I think many are used to seeing out of UCLA. The past few years, they've really thrived on pitching, and and I think it's going to be pitching that's going to carry them ultimately again. You know, even though they lose, even though they lose and, and Caprillion and Watson, they have Griffin Canning coming back, who was excellent as a freshman last year and a guy who really knows what he's doing on the mound. Uh, they're moving Grant Dyer from a setup role to the rotation, and they think he's taking a big jump. Uh, a guy who's you know ninety he's got a a power curve ball and he, he's tinkering with a, a cutter and a, and a developing changeup as well and you know he's a guy who could you know junior year who could emerge as a as a as a significant draft prospect and then you know they have a couple of talented freshmen as well. You know Kyle, Kyle Molnar is a little bit ahead of, of Justin Hooper in terms of polish at this point, and he's projected as the Sunday guy. But even though they're gonna they're gonna miss Berg, you know arguably the the, the greatest you know college closer of all time. I, I think their bullpen is still going to be fairly stacked, and uh, you know they bring back most of the bridge to Berg that they had last year, and, and they have. Um, a recruit in, uh, in uh, Brian Gatsby who is, is similar to Berg in some ways and his arm angle and uh, his ability to, to give hitters a different look in the back end. So I think there are a lot of tools there uh, at Savage's disposal that he can use, and I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be a very good club. I don't think they're the top team in the Pac-12 right now. I don't think you could say that with how much they've lost, but I, I, they could certainly work their way up there.
2: So uh, now, Jim, let, let's talk about the top team in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Uh, we got Oklahoma State as the the Big Twelve favorites. They're bringing back an experienced club. Uh, they're they're not going to have to worry about inexperience like some of these other teams. But you know, what what makes the Cowboys this year the the team to beat in the Big Twelve?
1: Well, certainly the experience is a big part of it. They bring back I think their top three hitters, and you know, they got they get Donnie Walton back to be their senior shortstop, which was kind of a bonus. Um, he was. remember what round it was I mean he was kind of like what like a 35th round pick or something like that but anyway they get him back as a senior you know he's a huge part of that lineup he's kind of the centerpiece Um, and then you know Ryan Sluter who was the number one prospect in the, um, the Cal Collegiate League so they're just a I mean they expect to be kind of like they were last year they're just very a very diverse offensive team they could score in a lot of different ways they could hit home runs they could play small ball they should and they should be uh, very athletic they should be able to kind of do the same same kind of thing they've got some junior college transfers they're excited about so those guys should all be able to contribute guys like Garrett Garrett Benj, I don't if I'm pronouncing his name right but uh you know Colin Thoreau at catcher they're excited about so they're a very balanced offensive team and on the mound you know they lose Michael Freeman you know, an all american big 12 pitcher of the year but you know, they should be all right I mean Michael Ber- Michael Mertz the guy coming off in coming off injury last year but he should be you know moved to the front of the rotation he's got good stuff um, you know, they're kind of sorting out the rest of the rotation and their bullpen because they did they lose a couple of, they lost John Perrin another starter um, and they um they lost their closer as well but uh, I mean they've got you know they've got the tools to work with they've got the arms to be very good they're just kind of sorting it out but the pieces are there I you know, Josh Holliday is excited about their all their, their he thinks they can be as good on the mound as they were last year. I mean, the Big 12 in general, I mean, obviously last year was a two-horse race, really, with them and uh, TCU. TCU would still be good. We still got them ranked, obviously. um, So we got the Cowboys 9th, TCU 18th. Obviously, it's going to be, you know, TCU is kind of a transition year. I would say they had a lot of seniors last year. They lose a lot on the mound. I mean, they'll still be talented. They did get um, uh, Mitchell Traver back, which is kind of a bonus, but... Still, they're breaking in new starters. Uh, Brian Howard could be in there. They like get Luke and Baker, a very talented freshman, to come to school. So that's a that's big for them. But I mean, they lose you know Cody Jones, who's the Big 12 Player of the Year. They lost several guys in that lineup. Um, Jeremy Fannion, their first baseman, was you know was their number two hole hitter in Omaha last year, if I remember right. So. They're kind of going to need some guys to take on bigger roles. They do have Evan Scow back, their catcher. Connor Juan Hainan was very good. Both those guys are sophomores, so they'll be kind of the they'll probably be more of the centerpieces of the offense this year. I mean, TCU they'll still be competitive. You know, they'll figure it out on the mound. They always do with that. That I mean, it's a pitching park. You know, kind of, it's kind of like Virginia. I mean, it's a pitching park, so that kind of gives them some margin for error. And they'll guess I mean, so they'll do. They do have some talent offensively. So they'll I think they're still the number two team there. Um, Oklahoma's up there. They've got the top end talent with you know, Alec Hanson and Sheldon Noisy. There are some a lot of some questions, you know, after that. <laughs> after that. But I mean we think they'll be good. So we've got them there at uh, number twenty one. Um the rest of the big obviously the Big Twelve was it was an odd year last year, to say that you know, to put it mildly. I mean with I mean it would have been just a two bid league if Texas doesn't win the conference tournament. Which was just I don't even know how to it's just it was just so weird that you I mean, Oklahoma and Texas Tech both were good teams, but their RPIs got out of whack so they were out of the mix and you know, I think both those you know, Texas and Texas Tech should both be good again. I mean, Texas is kind of a interesting case. So there was a lot kinda a lot kinda going around that program last year. You know, they had to deal with some injuries in the middle of the year. They did play well at the end winning that tournament, but and they like their arms. They should they should be competitive again. They'll probably be a regional team. Uh, Texas Tech is kind of... Well, they're, they're they're, they have the talent to be a regional team. Other than that, that's probably about it. West Virginia's kind of a sleeper. But, yeah, I mean, the Big 12, it could be... You, know, you might be looking at a four-bid league. But, yeah, so at the top, pretty clearly got Oklahoma State. Then TCU and Oklahoma, probably the next tier. And then kind of Texas, Texas Tech. Kind of as the other possible regional teams, and you know, just kind of go down from there with the, the Baylor's and Baylor got a new coaching staff, and K-State, Kansas, all those teams kind of further further down. But yeah, it's I mean, it's like it's Oklahoma State's pretty much the clear, uh, pretty much pretty clearly the team to beat.
2: It is an interesting conference, uh, and, and last year was just such a strange year. You know, we're we're looking for a little more normal year out of the Big Twelve, I guess, and. You know, but a, another conference that a bit of a strange year was the Big Ten. Except theirs was in a, a good way. A, it, it was a strange year in a <laughs> very great good way. way. Yeah, they get all those teams into regionals. You know, and uh, Maryland gets to super regionals, and uh, so did Illinois. Yes, Illinois, of course, the the Big Ten champions. Um, you know, winning, <laughs> with their massive winning streak in the middle of the year. There, there was a lot of there was a lot of good feeling about the Big Ten going into last season. You could kind of see that year, maybe not quite to that extent, but that that year coming. And I don't, I don't know that we think that the Big Ten is going to be quite that good again this year. But I, I really do believe that the Big Ten is here to stay as a, a baseball conference that you know has to be cons- reckoned with. Uh, you know, the the idea that it's just a one bid league anymore is you know I, I think those days are over. I, I think the conference and the schools have committed to to making the baseball programs better now that they've gotten the Big Ten Network money in and and everything else. And so this year we like Michigan to, to as the favorite in the Big Ten. You know, Michigan won the Big Ten tournament last year, and they bring a lot back. Carmen Benedetti, uh, two way guy, is a, a key for them. And uh, you know, they, they bring starters back on the uh, in, in the weekend, and, and you know, it's a veteran group and uh, coach Eric Bakich you know has has had a few years now at Michigan to to get his recruits in and, and, and get these guys up to speed and, and I, I think the Wolverines are, are looking pretty good it's a it's gonna be a little little tight there at the top though I you know Michigan checks in at 15 and we don't have a second big Ten team in so uh, we thought about Maryland we considered we Maryland Maryland is one of the last teams out of the mm-hmm. top 25 Um you know, and Mike Shawarin is a huge reason why uh, on Friday nights he's going to be... Maryland is going to be very difficult to beat because they're going to throw Mike Shawarin. Uh But, you know, they lost a lot from last year's team. But I, I, I really do think that they have enough there that it's going to be a good team again. And, you know, I would not be surprised to see them ranked later on this season. And you got, uh, you know, an, a veteran club at Indiana. Uh, Big Ten coaches really like Illinois still, despite all the losses that they had. Uh, in the draft last year, and Iowa looks pretty good again as well. That that's another regional team from last year, and uh, yeah, so I, I think the Big Ten is is going to be a fun league to watch. You know, there, there's a lot going on there. You know, right now it's only one team that we have ranked, but again, I, I think you know at various times during the year you're going to see a, a few other Big Ten teams uh, you know get into the rankings. That covers the. Uh, know the 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 top half of this this top 25 Um, moving on after after Southern Cal at 16 we got Florida State, TCU, uh, North Carolina State, Mississippi State, Oklahoma, Cal State Fullerton, Coastal Carolina, uh, Mississippi, and Kentucky rounds it out at 25. Uh, So who jumps out from uh, from any of the rest of these teams for you guys?
1: Well, certainly, I mean, NC State's got some balance. i have got a lot of guys back. Uh, Brian Brown at the top of that rotation. Um, it's going to be tough for him to be better than he was as a freshman and get a 2 a ERA or something like that. So he's set a high bar. But, um, I mean, he's got – obviously, he's a great guy to have back. Corey Wilder, Johnny Piedmont, those guys have experience. Uh, lose Logan Rattledge in the lineup, but still they'll be a, a very good offensive team. You know, a lot of power with guys like uh, you know Joe Denan, Preston Palmero, those guys um, – you know, Xavier legrand's an interesting freshman. You know, Brock Deathridge is a the guy they're excited about. So that'll be a good team. That'll be a good balanced team at the, uh, you know, in the, AC, in the, you know, kind of in that second group in the ACC after you have the big three and then you kind of have, you know, FSU, NC State, you know, kind of throw, you know, and Georgia Tech, a team that were, didn't rank but we thought about, you know, excited about their offense. Um, so, yeah, those certainly there's the, kind of that next group in the ACC. Um, those teams should all be competitive. Kind of talked about Oklahoma. I mean, Fullerton. Obviously, that's interesting just because they, you know, they lose Eshelman and obviously, lost Justin. Justin Garza was out for a lot of last year, but that'll be he'll be to interesting to see what they do offensively with losing, uh, you know, Davey Olmedo Dave Barrera, who was kind of the linchpin of their offense last year. But that'll be a that'll be an interesting team to watch. And Coastal's a that's a that's a program that's on its way back up. They had a couple lean years, but they got their new park, which is a a beautiful new park, and that's just a team that turned. I mean, they're always, you know, they were a physical offensive team last year. Got to that that College Station regional we talked about. They kind of maybe uh, were a little quiet there. Kind of got upstaged by Cal and A and M. But I mean, that's that's another team we expect to be back in the back in the mix.
0: Yeah, uh, for me, you know, we had a. There were there were quite a few teams we talked about for that number twenty five spot. We we eventually settled on Kentucky and. You know, obviously the SEC is a tough conference to navigate, but you look at what Kentucky brings back and kinda of similar to, to Louisville, you know, not far down the road they have, you know, a returning senior pitcher that they probably didn't expect to have last year around this time and, and Kyle Cody and you know, he's a guy who has a chip on his shoulder, he has a lot to prove. He had, you know, a down year last year. He seemed to kinda of put it together at the end though, and he's a guy with you know, a plus fastball, he's, he's going to touch the, mid, the mid-90s, and if he can improve his command and, and continue to work on his off-speed pitches and breaking ball, I mean, he could be a force, you know, in the Sunday spot in that rotation. You know, they also return Zach Brown, a junior, who also has, you know, tremendous stuff and is the ace of that staff and a veteran and Dustin Begg. So it's a, it's a strong weekend rotation and, and a veteran weekend rotation, and, and they bring back a lot of veterans as well in the, in the starting lineup, you know, led by Javon Shelby you know, the Shelby family has, has been a part of Kentucky for a while now, and he's just the, the latest in a long line and is, you know, kind of the leader of that team. You know, it's an interesting group in, in, in and in a team that was right on the borderline last year and, and, and came, you know, very close last year. And, and you know, I know just from, from talking, to, talking to Kyle Cody and a couple of players on the team, um, they have yeah. Omaha on their mind. You know, they've, they've said they've been saying the the word Omaha, you know, maybe 10 times more than they've ever said it in in an off season, which is, you know, it's not something you you hear a lot around the Kentucky baseball program. So there's some excitement there. You know, they're an intriguing team, you know, obviously they're at the very back of our top 25 and, you know, you could see them moving in either direction, but they're certainly a team to keep an eye on in, in a crowded SEC as always.
2: This year, the SEC is really going to be a tough league. Um, you know, perhaps even more so than usual. The depth in the league uh, is probably as good as it's been in a while. And you know, I, you you look at a team like Mississippi State, who we have at number twenty. And if you're looking for a team here in the last half or the the last you know five to ten teams that that maybe could jump into the top half of the rankings or the top ten by the end of the year, you know, I, I think they're a candidate for that. They had a a very poor year last year, had to battle a lot of injuries last year, but, you know, now that's over, and guys are are back to to health, and they brought in uh, an outstanding recruiting class that's going to give them uh, some immediate help, and, you know, as as the season goes on, and and these guys learn how to play with each other, you know, I I think Mississippi State is going to be a team that by the time conference play rolls around, you're going to have to to really consider, it, and they're going to be a uh, you know one of the better teams in in the conference potentially. You know they do lose Butch Thompson, their outstanding pitching coach, you know goes and becomes the the coach at Auburn. But they bring in Wes Johnson, you know who had been at at Dallas Baptist, and Butch Thompson is. He's an outstanding coach, but but Wes Johnson is uh, going to do a, a good job with that pitching staff himself. I think so. Yeah, I, I think Mississippi State is an intriguing team down here. You know, Jim, you mentioned Coastal, and uh, you know, this might be Coastal's best team since 2010. That was obviously an outstanding team, but th- this is a team that that maybe is is going to push them over the hump. You know, they've been uh, close to Omaha or, or thought they you know, thought of as Omaha contenders a few times, and. And maybe this is this is that level of team again. You know, Florida State lost a lot, but they're kind of like some of these other teams we've talked about. You know, there's talent there, and, and you know, they they should be pretty good once they once they all figure out how how they fit into the the open roles. So I, there's a lot of really talented teams down here, and uh, you know it's going to be intriguing to see. So I guess before we wrap this up, just what is uh, how do you guys feel, you know, going into the season? What What are you most, uh, you know, looking forward to this year?
0: You know, I I think uh, I I think I think for me, uh, one thing at least is, you know, the obviously last year a lot of talk was about the ball and how that would impact the game and whether it'd be more offensive and, you know, it was. You know, it, I think we saw some good results with that and be curious to see, you know, if if that was an operation, if that was a, a trend, you know i'd be curious to see you know what the results are like this year with that that that's certainly something that i'm looking for and you know obviously uh you know i wonder if you know if we do have another cold winter you know we do have an issue there i wonder if there'll be you know more momentum for that push it back movement i don't i don't envision that necessarily but you know that's one of the things i'm kind of curious to see as well as we get started here
1: i mean well obviously beer sales in omaha of course (laughs) (laughs) um just kind of see whoever the you know last year at illinois kind of was that surprise team i mean it's kind of you know that was unranked and obviously had an outstanding year just kind of see who you know who's going to be that team this year i mean that's you know iowa was another team iowa was another team that was kind of like that uh um, maryland a couple of years ago not to limit it to big 10 teams but you know who's going to be that team that jumps out has a you know kind of makes a surprising run to supers or to omaha or what have you i mean you know kind of we've talked about um you know, we didn't rank Arkansas. I know that's kind of a like you've talked talked during our meeting with but with about them Teddy as kind of your sleeper team, but uh you know I mean that's kind of what i'm uh, that's what I'm most curious to see who is just kind of who's the surprise, and certainly you know what happens with the uh you know with the new they're not if we can still call them the new baseballs they're two years old now, but uh, just how does that you know does that trend continue um that's certainly gonna be something to. Keep monitoring, um, you know. And then once we do get to Omaha, aside from them selling beer, I mean, what? Obviously, the television ratings were down last year in the finals. So that was kind of a, a little. I don't know if I say concerning, but it's kind of jumped out that it was. I remember writing the the finals between Virginia and um, Vandy were outrated by the finals of the women's World Series uh, softball World Series. So I mean, that was maybe if you get you know LSU and Texas or something against each other maybe it'd be different but you know how will that how will that play will the games be any quicker because last year those games even I don't think they've tried to speed them up but they still kind of dragged so how will that pan out you know so that's that's kind of what obviously that's further down the road but those are things I'm uh, kind of curious to see how they how they go.
2: Yeah, I think that is an interesting point about the, the ratings and the pace of play, and I think that is that's something that I'm I'm curious to see as well. Uh, you know, obviously Virginia and Vanderbilt uh, are marquee programs in college baseball, but uh, we don't typically think of those schools as, as necessarily having you know the the yeah, rabid fan base yeah. of, of an LSU or, or a Tennessee or um, you know a Texas or, or any of those schools really. And part of that is just that Vanderbilt is a small private school and there are just only so many Vanderbilt alumni out there uh, relative to some of these other schools. So if we get a different finals, uh, we haven't in a couple years, but if we get a different finals it will be interesting to see what the ratings do and pace of play is going to be a thing that's talked about again I I would imagine. Uh, Mike mentioned the the winner and the the push it back movement and uh, I, I guess i'm guessing we'll hear more about that we've been hearing about that for a long time so that's not going away I, I, I obviously
1: think. the we just had the news with the you know the agent stuff I and mean, that's a big development for college baseball. It's kind of obviously there are bigger picture things afoot here that I mean it's going be a, it's gonna be an interesting interesting direction to see where where college baseball's heading
2: absolutely and uh, you know i I think one of the things I'm excited about is uh, you know just seeing all the freshmen this year. I, I I feel like this year there there are a lot of really potential potentially impactful freshmen on some really good teams too. Uh, you know when we talked about TCU, I mentioned Luke and Baker, who um, you know is an incredible two way talent and you know told teams that he didn't want to get drafted or that he didn't intend to sign if he got drafted. And so he's at TCU now, and they're they're going to rely on him a lot. And it seems like every Pac-12 team. When I was doing recruiting rankings, brought in their one of their top recruits. UCLA brought in, you know, Hooper and Molnar, and Washington got Joe Demers, and Oregon State got Nick Madrigal and and, and Grenier, and you know, you, you just look up and down the conference, and, and they all pulled in the, these incredible players. Florida and Vanderbilt, obviously, the top two recruiting classes in the country, you know, were, were loaded, and Georgia Tech brought in recruits. You know, we mentioned them as a team we considered, and. And their freshman class is, is a big part of that. I mentioned it with Mississippi State. I mean, there are just a lot of really good young players in college baseball that, that I'm excited to see how they uh, how they make that adjustment. And, and that that's one thing that we're definitely going to be talking about over, over the next few months.
0: I'm also curious to see how some of the top arms that we've talked about fare this year because last year it seemed like there was – just a rash of injuries and ineffectiveness with a lot of the top arms. And, you know, one week, you know, Machuelo was the top guy, the next week it's Funkhausen, the next week it's Dylan Tate, you know, just a lot of going back and forth. I'm kind of curious to see, you know, first of all, how guys like Funkhausen and, and, and Cody back, you know, come back this year. And then, you know, A.J. Puck, how he does. Obviously, you know, last year doing that suspension early on, but he's got the stuff to, to be an elite guy and, you know, potentially the number one overall pick. So, just kind of curious to see how those arms do, and you know, hopefully, you know, the college baseball as a whole stays away from the Tommy John injuries that you know we saw last year. That's kind of what I'm looking at too. Yeah,
2: hopefully it's a it's a healthier spring uh, for everyone. In a There's, less snowy spring. Yes, yeah. yes, warmer and more health. That would be that would be fantastic. Uh, you know, last year's draft. Uh, you know, obviously when we were talking about that, it was it was constantly talking about like who was missing in action and, and who, was, who was coming back from injury and, and, and who was out for the year. Uh, so hopefully we can avoid that this year, uh, on, both on the college and the high school side. So we'll be back uh, in, in the next, over the next few weeks to, to continue with our, our college preview content. Uh, again, um, through the rest of this week over at BaseballAmerica.com, you can uh, see capsules uh, for each of the top 25 teams. Next week, we'll have our All-America teams, and uh, we'll probably we'll probably be back talking about those on the on the podcast. And then the uh, conference previews start. And then before you know it, it'll be February 19, and it'll be opening day, and uh, we'll be back out at the ballpark, and we'll, we'll, have, we'll have actual baseball to talk about. And right now, it's exciting to talk about this preview stuff, but when we have actual baseball to talk about, it'll be even better. You know, that's coming very soon. So it, it's a great time to to be reading baseball america to to subscribe to baseball america if you don't already and uh you know hopefully you guys uh out there will, will enjoy the all the all the content that that's coming your way uh over at baseballamerica.com and, and in the magazine for uh for the college preview so uh you know, thank you for listening thanks to to jim and mike for for joining me here we'll have another college podcast coming to you soon so uh go out there and enjoy the baseball and thanks for listening